It's a glorious Easter morning. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 28 and look at verses 1 through 10. Hear now God's Word, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. It's a glorious Easter day. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. What an occasion. I want us to work through this passage of scripture and uh, see what Mary and Mary saw on this particular first Easter. Again, Matthew 28, verse 1, says, After the Sabbath, so we're into the first day of the week, as it began to dawn, towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Now, who's the other Mary? If you look over at Mark chapter 16, verse 1, we get a description of her. Mark 16, verse 1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. So in Matthew 28, we're talking about Mary and the other Mary, but it's Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. The occasion was the day after their supposedly worship service, their, their Sabbath, the first day of the week, the day afterwards, Mary and the other Mary, mother of James, came to look at the grave. And behold, there was an earthquake. And it says a severe earthquake had occurred. Now, this is an earthquake you can see. Something happened. It didn't just shake the earth, but something broke the earth open. It was visible because... The scripture tells us to behold it, to notice it. The word behold means to stop, take notice of, to look at this. So here's an earthquake you can see, remnants of. Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. And that earthquake not only shook them up, but it obviously directed their attention somehow at an angel. The angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and he came. He rolled away the stone that was in front of the tomb. And the angel was sitting upon that stone. Earthquakes, they create fear. Why an earthquake? An earthquake reminds me that 
Life could have almost been over were it not for the grace of God. Earthquakes shake you up. You know, as you think about this earthquake, this earthquake occurred right after Christ had been murdered. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Jews, and the Romans, the Romans had come together to murder Christ. They crucified Him. They put Him on a cross. Now, if you murder the Son of God, that's enough in and of itself to make the earth quake. And sure enough here, the earth is cracked open. Earth and life should be over if you take out the Son of God. And that's what had just occurred. Earthquakes remind you that life is frail. That without the grace of God, we have no hope. In 1994, I was in my Pasadena apartment. I was in seminary, finishing up my doctorate. And this apartment complex, I was rooming with another man, and uh, it was built on a solid concrete foundation. And all of a sudden, the whole apartment building began to, to rock side to side. Pictures began to fall off the wall. The chandelier was shaking, and I was wobbling. I about hit the floor, but I caught myself on the couch, and I looked up at my roommate, who was from California, and I said, what is this? He said, this is an earthquake. He had lived through several of them himself. Well, I didn't know what to do, but I knew if, if the whole apartment building was shaking, I didn't want it coming down on my head. So I ran outside the door as fast as I could. And as I ran out the front door of the apartment, the swimming pool in the midst of the apartments caught my attention. Because in the swimming pool, I saw for the first time I've ever seen in my life, four-foot waves like I was at the ocean. The swimming pool was rocking side to side or bouncing up and down. Who rocks a concrete commercial-sized swimming pool or bounces it up and down? Who does that? God had gotten my attention, but it began to just create fear pulsating through my body because there, it came with no directions as to which way to run or what to do. It was clearly a God moment. God was doing something. Mary has that same kind of experience. And the other Mary with her. They came to look at the grave. And the first thing they see is a severe earthquake. And they're told to notice it. Or we're told to notice it. It's something that grabs you. But it, it doesn't just grab Mary and Mary. It directs them. Perhaps there was a big crack in the earth where they were standing, when they saw this earthquake, and perhaps it just began to open up, but it directed their eyes right towards this angel. And this angel was sitting on the, the tombstone that had been placed in front of the tomb to guard it. Got the lady's attention. Verse 3, this angel, his appearance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. Now, I wore my Easter outfit for today. I hope you enjoy that. Some of you would be dressing your little girls in Easter outfits. And you would be saying, oh, she looks cute, just like a little angel. Well, you know, none of the angels mentioned in the Bible 
look like a cute little girl. And this one doesn't either. The angel that's described here, and the angels described in the Bible are typically described as mighty warriors. And here, uh, the angel is described in male terminology. He says, the guard shook for fear of him, not her. He's not a cute little girl, but he's a strong, mighty warrior. He says his appearance was like lightning. His clothing is white as snow. So you know he's, he's, he's brilliant, he's white, and his appearance like lightning. I don't know how to describe that. God leaves that to our imagination. Um, if you imagine a lightning bolt, and it's just stationary over this rock, and it's uh, like a stationary, powerful, electric current that has the power to extinguish anything in its path. This is this angel, and the women see it. The guards, when they saw it, shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Uh, I don't know what the angel did. You know, maybe he just moves a little of his electric current, this lightning bolt technology of his, and moves the guards to the side. Maybe he just points to them and says, you, from here to there. Whatever it took... They're like dead men. This is a very fearful being that's before them. The angel said, verse 5, to the women, do not be afraid. Yeah, right. I mean, you've got strong guards that are fearful and feel like they're just dead. They're doomed. Nothing can happen. They're, they're just cowered down, not uh, able to do anything. They've become dysfunctional and uh, disabled. And here the angel says to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. So the angel invites them in. He directs them to, to come into the tomb, look where Jesus was, and it was clear he was not there. So everything appeared just as the angel had said. And then he said, so now it's time to go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going to go ahead of you. He's already ahead of you. If you run quickly, you will catch him. You will see him in Galilee. There you will see him. And you will see that it's just as I told you. So they run. They left the tomb, verse 8, quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran to report it to his disciples. Now I want us to stop and think about Mary and Mary running with great fear, great joy. Actually, the text says, with fear and great joy. They're not calm yet. You know, the angel told them, don't be afraid. And yet, they didn't find any way to, to make that happen. They're still running with fear. But they're also running now with great joy because this information that Christ is not in the tomb, that he has been uh, resurrected and that he's running ahead of them or he's ahead of them, is good news and it excites them. They're running with fear and great joy. Think about that. Uh, what kind of fear is this? It, to me, it's, it's, it's an, uh, it's a, oh, wow, kind of fear. It's a, oh, no, kind of fear. Oh, no, um, Life is uncertain. I, I don't know what's happening, but something's definitely happening. And I, 
I don't know what to do. Oh, wow. It's exciting. Christ is not here. He's, he's been resurrected, really? And we're going to see him? That's an excitement that the ladies have. Um, they run with fear and great joy. I um, have some of these kind of emotions, or, or Patty and I did when we had our first child. You know, you get one of those little pregnancy tests when you're trying to have children. And our pregnancy test, if you were pregnant, you got a little blue dot. So anytime you took the test, you were looking to see if you had a little blue dot. Well, we had this blue dot. And as soon as we saw that blue dot for the first time, we said, oh, oh no, it's happening. Uh, we've got so much to do, so much to think about. We, we, you know, we, we need to prepare a room. We need to pre- get to the right safety equipment. We need to get the college fund started. We need to tell our friends, oh, wow, this is exciting. God is actually doing a miracle through us, creating life. There's a sense of fear. There's a sense of, of excitement and joy that overrides the fear. And I think that's what Mary and Mary had. They had fear, but they had a joy and an excitement that would override the fear. Notice, again, the text. It says, uh, they ran with Fear, verse 8, and great joy. The emphasis being that the joy is greater than the fear. It didn't say they ran with joy and greater fear. Rather, it says they ran with fear and greater joy. There's something about the joy being greater that enables them to run. And they ran and they ran to tell the other disciples that Christ was uh, resurrected. See, the, the guards, they told us, they became came like dead men. They shook for fear. They didn't run with fear because they didn't have the greater joy that gave them that ability. Mary and Mary had fear, but they had greater joy. And that enabled them to run with great excitement instead of just being Cowered down, dysfunctional, and disabled. Fear, fear is an emotion. And it's typically triggered by the possibility of pain or danger. Earthquakes can trigger fear. And we have a severe one here in the text. A rock, a huge boulder being moved can trigger fear. An angel that looks like lightning can trigger fear. All of these things were here. They were scared. I would have been scared. I think we all would have been scared. But they had a joy. They had an excitement that overrode the fear. The greater joy is what? It's a key part of the text. The greater joy is come, look here. Look where he was lying. He was crucified. All past tense. He has been raised. He is in front of you. You're going to see him today. You will meet with him. Just run quickly and you will see him and meet with him in Galilee. And we know the text. They got up, they ran quickly, and they did meet and greet Jesus. And they worshiped him and they adored him. And they became excited because Christ was really alive. He was the resurrected Messiah and King. 
great joy. Christ is not dead. He's with us. What a wow moment. Wow. This is exciting. Oh, no, yeah. There's there's a lot to do. I, I need to go tell the disciples. I need to tell lots of people Christ is not dead after all. But, oh, wow, what an excitement. If he's not dead, we get to see him. We get to meet with him. Not only do we get to meet with him, we get to worship him. We get to have the service of worship we couldn't have yesterday. We can have it now. And we can be excited in the presence of God. Uh, Why? Because Christ, he was not just resuscitated. He wasn't just uh, our glorious redeemer who got sick and had been taken to intensive care, uh, but then was revived and and, uh, brought to life in that sense. No, 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 no. Christ was dead. He was crucified. They, They stuck a spear into his side so that water and blood poured out to verify Christ is absolutely graveyard dead. And then they took his body down from the cross and they wrapped it in burial cloth. He was dead. And he was placed in a tomb and a rock was, big stone was rolled against it and Roman guards were set up to keep anyone from tampering with the dead body of Christ. You know, when somebody dies, you go to the funeral and say, you know, we really appreciate this person who has passed on, but they're no longer with us. That's how we talk about a person who has passed away. They're no longer with us. But Christ, the way he is spoken about in this text, he is still with us. He's living. He's ahead of you. He will meet with you in Galilee. Man, that's exciting. That's a wow moment. Uh, Thinking he wasn't with us, but now he is with us. Why this story? Well, obviously, God has given us this story to verify the resurrection of Christ. But perhaps the story is also here to enable us to see we need to run like Mary and Mary ran. They ran with fear, but fear... With great joy. The truth of the resurrection, yes. But also a joy that comes from it. Let's think about it a little bit more. Why Mary and Mary ran with fear and great joy. Let's try to think about it from their perspective. Let's just go back three days. Let's think through Friday, Saturday, and now Sunday. The first day of the week. Friday. That was a terrible day for Mary. Terrible day. It was terrible because she couldn't do anything. They had captured Jesus. They had him in their control. The government of the day, the Roman soldiers, were doing what they wanted to with Jesus, and nobody could stop them. They were the power. They were the authority. Even if Mary wanted to do something, she couldn't do it. Jesus was her friend. They had spent years with Jesus, attending to his needs, financing his ministry. They certainly didn't want to see him crucified. And the soldiers took Christ to Golgotha. They stripped him of his clothes. They didn't want to see him naked, much less hung on a cross and bleeding and dying and people passing by mocking and ridiculing and uh, making fun of Jesus. And Mary and Mary had to watch. I wish they could 
do something. But there was nothing they could do on Friday. What a terrible day. What a miserable day for them. If they could have stopped it, if they could have done something, they would. But there was nothing they could do. Then you get to Saturday. Saturday was the day they went to church. That was the Jewish Sabbath. That was the day they spent Friday preparing for. But how do you go to church when the one you had come to believe that you would worship and glorify and adore was dead? And he was already locked away in a tomb. The head of the church has now been crucified, dead, and buried. And you can't worship. Friday, you wanted to do something, but you couldn't. Saturday, you don't really even want to do anything. I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to attempt to worship. The one I believed was God is dead. I don't see how I can do that. Don't want to do anything. Saturday was a lonely day. It was bad. Maybe more terrible than Friday in the sense that you're delusioned. You, you just don't know what you can do. You don't want to do anything. And you're filled with such loneliness. And then Sunday comes around. First day of the week, it's dawn. Mary and Mary, Mary we found from Mark 16. They had gathered some spices. They had intended to anoint Christ's body. So perhaps they're walking to the to tomb more out of obligation than any other thing. They had attended to Christ's needs for three and a half years. They had helped finance his ministry. Let's see it through. Let's go to the tomb. Let's take care, care of anointing his body with burial spices. And so that's what they were prepared to do. And I, I, I imagine as they, they walked to the tomb, they weren't really looking around trying to um, smell the roses or see what the weather was even like. I, I suppose most of the time their, their walk, their head was kind of down. It's an obligation. They needed to do the right thing, the next thing, and that's to anoint Christ's body with burial spices. And perhaps that being one of the reasons for the earthquake, that woke them up. They, they see the earth has been ripped apart in front of them and directs their attention to this angel who's now rolled the stone away so that they can enter the tomb. They didn't know how that was going to happen. Perhaps they were going to try to sweet talk the, the guards and somehow to get in and uh, anoint the, the body of Christ. But now that's not an issue. The issue is... They're beginning to tremble as they see the signs of the earthquake and as they see Mr. Angel Lightning before them, as they see the other guards um, hunkered down with fear and disability. It's Sunday. All of a sudden, the angel speaks to them in their language. Do not be afraid. And you can imagine the feelings in Mary and Mary Begin to change. Now, love is directed towards them. And they begin to sense that they're entering into a moment of excitement, anticipating something is vastly different than what they expected to find. 
the angel says, you can come and look where Jesus was laying, but he's not there anymore. He's been raised, and he's on his way to Galilee. Come quickly, get your observance done, and get on your way, because you're going to meet him. You're going to see him. The feelings begin to change in Mary. It's like, oh, no. Wow. Oh, wow. This is exciting. We, we, we're going to get to see Jesus today. He's alive. He's been resurrected. You know, Friday was awful. Couldn't do anything. Saturday, didn't want to do anything. And now Sunday. Wow. Sunday becomes glorious. The earth did not swallow up Christ. But out of this tomb, out of the earth, Christ emerges as the resurrected, glorious, risen, eternal king who has conquered the grave, who has conquered death, who has conquered sin, who is announcing himself as our Messiah, our king who lives with us forever and ever. Hallelujah. He's risen. He's risen indeed. What an excitement that changed everything for Mary and Mary. And it should change Everything for us. Let's think about it. Why should we run like Mary and Mary? With fear? With fear and great joy? And I think the text indicates the joy actually overwhelms them to where the fear is removed altogether. Um. Back in uh, 2006, Dunkin' Donuts started a um, campaign that really continues to this day throughout America trying to convince us that America runs on Dunkin', meaning we have busy lives and the fuel we need to, to do what we need to do is Dunkin' Donuts or Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And so they, they, they have this slogan, America runs on Dunkin'. Well, Mary and Mary did not run on Dunkin'. Mary and Mary ran on the overwhelming joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we can begin to see the power of that, being overwhelmed with the reality, the news that Christ really is raised. And he's raised for you and he's raised for me. It changes everything. Look, look again at the text, Matthew 28 the last two verses that I had read, verse 9 and 10. Again, starts with the word behold. And behold, stop and look at this. Jesus met them and he greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet. And they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will See me. Go take word to my brethren. Leave for Galilee. There they will see me. Now, don't miss the phrase. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Remember, the angel had said to them, do not be afraid. And then they left the angel running with fear. So they didn't get rid of their fear when the angel said, do not be afraid. They got rid of enough of it to look at the tomb, but they were still fearful. When Jesus says to them, do not be afraid, I think their feelings change again. 
Because then we're left with the text that says, they went their way, and, and, and there's no fear mentioned in the text. But what's still in the text is their excitement and their joy over the reality of the resurrection of Christ. Joy in Christ's resurrection overwhelms them. Are you fearful? Or is there any panic during this time of the coronavirus panic? When will fear leave us? Don't miss this in principle. Fear leaves us when we are overwhelmed with the reality of the resurrection of Christ. When we begin to embrace and believe Christ is in us. Christ meets with us. Christ communicates with us. Christ spends time with us. Christ dwells in us. Christ is over us as our Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Too often we live in this world, many people live in this world, as though this world is all they have. And if this world is all you have, and the world is threatened with a pandemic, it creates panic. And so instead of running, we're not running at all. We're disabled. We're dysfunctional. We're like the guards who've cowered down. Do we see that all of that changes with the reality of Christ? If Christ is in us, if Christ is with us, if Christ has clearly conquered the grave, if he's conquered death, if he's conquered sin, if he's conquered all that comes against us, and he can live and live and live, and he can live with us, then we can live in him forever and ever. So then nothing threatens us. Nothing can separate us from Christ who is in us, who lives and lives and lives. This world's not all we have. We have Christ. And with Christ, we have everything. No virus can come against us or threaten us. Nothing can take us away from Christ. Many people are living like Mary and Mary on Friday and Saturday. Does this coronavirus pandemic make you feel like Friday and Saturday before the resurrection of Christ? Do you feel like... There's just nothing I can do. I want to do something. I wish I could do something, but I've been commanded to shelter in place, and there's just nothing I can do. And then you get into Saturday and say, you know, quite frankly, I'm kind of tired of a lot of this. There's nothing I want to do. I just don't want to do anything. A lot of people are living that way. Man, do I have good news for you. This is excitement. It's, a, it's an oh no. It's an oh wow. It's, it's a God moment. Good news. There is greater joy than the fear. There's greater joy than the panic. There is Christ raised from the dead. Our living King, our risen Savior, the one who's conquered death and grave and sin and darkness and despair and panic. The resurrection of Christ can eliminate our fear. It's not going to eliminate all of our pain. We may still get sick. We may still have pain. 
We, but we don't have to live as though we're in the gloom and doom of the Friday and Saturday before the resurrection. No, every day for us is a resurrection day. It's a day of life and living because Christ meets with us. He is in us and he's with us. And nothing can come against us that can separate his resurrected love and living from us. Let's take it one step further. In Matthew 28, Jesus meets with his disciples in Galilee as he told them to meet him. Let's go to that point. Verse 18. And Jesus came up and he spoke to them. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. All authority means I have all power. I am over all things in heaven and on earth. All authority over coronavirus. Did you see that? That's what the text says. All authority means all authority. It has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Christ has all authority over coronavirus. All authority over everything in heaven and on earth. Then he makes another statement. Verse 20. He says, I want you to teach them, and I want you to make disciples, go to my disciples, and I want you to teach them, verse 20, to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, again, stop and notice this. I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. Christ is all authority, and Christ is always present. Fairly important. What must we be doing? Well, we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be about what Christ wants us to do. He wants us to observe all of His commandments. He wants us to be living our lives pleasing to Him, yes. But He wants us to do all of that with the understanding and acknowledgement that He is with us always, always. And it doesn't end. He's with us always, even to the end of the age. I don't know about you, but I'm not running on Duncan. I'm running on the resurrection power of Christ. He is with me, and he's with me always. And that's fuel in my tank to enable me to say no to fear, to be overwhelmed with joy, and to live life in the glory, in the reality of the resurrection of Christ. When this is true, and it is, Christ is raised then nothing can hurt me because nothing separates me from Christ. Nothing is going to move me outside of Christ. It makes us invincible in Christ. We are with Christ forever and always. We get in this panic mode when we forget we are secure in Christ. And we're secure in Christ because He's conquered death, the grave, sin, the virus. All things and has all authority in heaven and on earth to remain with us through whatever. Let me ask you Are you in despair right now? Are you having any kind of panic attacks? Is the resurrected Christ speaking to you? Like he did to Mary and Mary. And he's saying, do not be afraid.
Do not be afraid. You have a message to share. The message is that I will be with you always. I have conquered death and the grave. I've conquered sin and damnation. I have earned a right to build my church. And I come for you. Do you hear the resurrected Christ speaking to you? Your need is to trust him as your Lord and as your Savior. It's not to panic over a virus. Do not be afraid. Sometimes we get in a panic situation. We, we fear our hands aren't clean enough. We fear our face is not covered. We feel that somehow this invisible droplets are going to ooze through our eyes and destroy our body and all of our joy is going to be gone. Instead of seeing that Christ says, no, 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 do not be afraid. I want to show you the power of my resurrection so that you are overjoyed with life in Christ and that joy overrides the fear and the panic. And you say, wow, this is so cool. I've got people I need to tell. And I've got things I need to do. Instead of being dysfunctional and disabled, you become excited to worship your risen Christ, your risen King. He's risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Father, what a powerful truth and reality is the resurrection of Christ. Too often it's been relegated to one Sunday a year or to one day. And we miss the the value of having Christ always, always, always with us as our resurrected King and Lord and Savior. Father, forgive us for our panic. Forgive us for our fear. How many times do we need to hear you say, do not be afraid before it takes root, before it takes hold of us. And we see we don't need to fear, but we need to be overwhelmed with joy in our resurrected Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, for those who don't know the good news of the resurrected Christ, let us tell them. Let us make disciples. Let us share the good news that He is with us always, even to the end of the age. Father, continue to excite us. We do ask that you would heal our land of all our distress, but overwhelm us even more with the joy of Christ who is risen indeed. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.